You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. It's time for straight talk about diversity, frank questions, honest answers, and real insights. It's Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union, with your hosts, Sadika Bodka of Nikea Diversity Consulting and Anthony Arrington of Top Rank Professional and Executive Search Firm. Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union, is a Corridor Business Journal podcast. On today's episode, one of the biggest personal brands in one of the most visible industries in the world, the Corridor's own Alana Arrington, one of the top supermodels in the world. Yes, you can, quote, cancel somebody for something they said or something they did, but a lot of times people cancel them and don't give them space to make a change, to change their behavior, to change what they say in the future, to change how they do things. We'll be right back. Green State Credit Union is proud to sponsor Diversity Straight Up. Established in 1938, Green State is Iowa's largest financial cooperative serving nearly 250,000 members of all walks of life. Green State's products include checking accounts, loans, investments, insurance, commercial services, mortgages, and credit cards. Profits are returned to members in the form of better rates on deposits and loans. We encourage you to learn more at greenstate.org. Green State is federally insured by the NCUA and is an equal housing opportunity lender. Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union, is also sponsored by Alliant Energy. Welcome to another episode of the Corridor Business Journal's Diversity Straight Up. I'm your co-host, Sadiq Abakta. And I'm Anthony Arrington, and we're here to take you on a fun ride today. It's going to be a great, great show. We're going to have a great conversation. We've got a, we've got a wonderful guest. He's not biased at all either. Nah, nah. <laughs> Before we get to this wonderful guest of ours, Alana Arrington, something's been on our mind. At least something's been on my mind. There's something on my mind. It's January 20th. Well, yes, January 20th, and I'm looking at our listeners here and thinking about the big date of January 20th. What's on your mind for January 20th? It's, you know, I think about, it's Inauguration Day. It's a historical change in our country. And change aside, when I look at the diversity of the cabinet coming in and and the leadership coming in, it excites the heck out of me. It decides the heck out of me. Um, from a personal perspective, feels like we're going somewhere. And that's exciting to me. I agree with you. I think about the diversity of the cabinet and uh, leadership, but I also appreciate the fact that uh, President-elect has been very intentional about yeah. diversity in terms of surrounding a team that is diverse yet qualified. Yeah. And I guess this would go for any leaders that would look at this initiative. Yep. Who's part of their A team? Right. You Do you want everyone that, that looks like you, Anthony? No. Yeah. I want to know. I don't want everybody to look like me. I'm too pretty anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, there's intention about diversity and quality, right? Yes. It's not just for diversity's sake. These are talented people. And that's what's exciting. Yes. And I, 
you can find the talent. And I, and I think about what we also share with our clients uh, that we work with a lot is that you need to be very intentional, be very strategic about it, but it's not at the expense of them not being qualified. Yeah, yeah. Just means how do you diversify your pool a little bit more so that you can get more candidates right. so that you can look at getting diversity. Yeah. It's not going to happen overnight, yeah. but if you're intentional about it and very strategic about it, we can right. make some headwinds. Yeah. In those, so. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, we, we could talk about politics all day long, Sedek, I know we probably saw a major over there. We love talking about it, but you know, um, actually something's on our guest mind. I wonder what our guests are thinking. Right, for our listeners, I want to share a little bit about Alana Arrington. She's an American fashion model born and cornbread in the beautiful state of Iowa. Growing up, it appeared that she would be anything but a model as she excelled in school and sports. She was first introduced to her mother agents, Jeff and Mary of Mother Model Management at the age of 14, and she signed with them a few weeks after her 15th birthday. After signing with Next Management and spending two summers in Los Angeles building her portfolio, Alana moved home to switch from public to online school. And in January 2016, she moved from Iowa to New York and to be specific, New York City. Within two months, she had signed worldwide with Next Management and exploded on the fashion scene after walking a total of 50 plus shows for her debut season. That's just phenomenal, okay? This includes Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Off-White, and Celine. Alana has since worked on editorials and covers for Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar, Maxim, and Allure. She's also done campaigns for Stella McCartney, Fear of God, Ralph Lauren, and worked with major commercial brands like H&M, Forever 21, Urban Outfitters, Aldo, and Mango. Alana has also been blessed with the opportunity to grace the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show runway for three years. Alana currently resides in New York City with her sister, Amaya, who is an aesthetician specializing in facial skin care, which is right up Alana's alley. Alana, this is such a beautiful and impressive, impressive uh, bio of you, which I probably doesn't even cover the tip of the iceberg, but welcome to DSU. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, Alana, share with us and our listeners a little bit about you, your background here, you know, born in cornbread. I love how you say that, born in cornbread in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and then going from here to New York and around the world to the runways of the fashion industry and model industry. Yeah, well, I grew up in the southeast side of Cedar Rapids, so I grew up going to Erskine, McKinley. I went to Wash, so I'm a warrior. Like growing up, I was a pretty active kid. I played like every sport with a ball. Um, Everybody thought I was a tomboy, that I was going to be a WNBA star or something. Um, And then high school or probably like middle school rolled around and I started, I got a subscription to Seventeen Magazine. I remember through like the middle school magazine sale thing you got and I was getting my first 17 like magazines and I was like, oh wow, this is cool. Like, ooh, this is cool. They're so pretty, they're so cool. And I, everybody always told me like I was tall and skinny and I was seeing all these girls that were tall and skinny. I was like, I could do this. Like, so I, I don't even really remember how, but I ended up finding um, Mother Model Management who's now my mother agency on Facebook or Instagram, one of the two. Uh, followed them on everything I could and started keeping up with all the things they were doing. And at the time they were um, working with Carly Kloss who ended up being, you know, this mega star went off and married a Kushner, which 
is an interesting turn of events, but um, I saw her rise to fame and I was like, cool, well, she came from the Midwest. I can do that too. Like, <laughs> so then I just had all these kind of like green lights in that direction. And then they had an open call. And so my mom drove me and my best friend, um, Nicole Gearhart, who's also a warrior alma mater, um, drove us to the open call and we went in and I just remember like coming out and I was like, I don't think they liked me because Jeff didn't say anything to me and Mary was really nice, but I just felt like she was being like nice to whatever, play the part. And then, yeah, I signed with them and it kind of started slow. Like I was in LA for a period of time, like in between school. Um, and then I would drive to Chicago on the weekends, like my mom or my dad, whoever could would drive me to Chicago on the weekends um, to do whatever work I could in between school. And then, I don't know, I was kind of like about to give it up. And then um, I moved to New York, like I, New York was kind of my last shot. And so I came to New York with kind of like, I was like, I don't really know if this is going to work. Maybe it's just like another like chance to get away from home at the time. <laughs> another excuse to get out of CR. And then it ended up working just how I wanted it to. And yeah, it's seven, eight years later, I think I'm still still doing it. So, yeah. Talk about some of the, talk about, hold on, talk about some of the barriers you, you face growing up, you know, from a diversity perspective. Or once you got into the industry, you know, what, what, rep what representation looked like to you, you know, before? And do you see models like you on the runway today? So as you think about growing up and some of the, the, the barriers or the personal hurdles you face, can you talk about some of that? Yeah. I mean, well, like just one, like being a biracial kid, like in any sense is interesting, like just growing up because you learn like you're not... 100% this you're not 100% that so like your whole like childhood is like well, what where do I fit like what am I where do I fit into the picture because they're all over here saying well you're not us and they're all over here saying you're not us so then you're like well what the fuck so like a lot of like being a kid was being like kind of not like the oddball out but like just felt a little bit like out of place um so then got into fashion and fashion literally just forces you to be so out of your comfort zone that like, you know, you have no choice to get used to it. So it was something that became easy to me because, you know, I grew up with that as like, you know, another shield patch on my armor. And then you talk about, you know, being a biracial woman in a mostly predominantly white dominated industry. Um, it's really almost impossible to like, you know get your hammer going hard enough to crack the shell and get into the big names like Victoria's Secret and stuff so I as a black woman it's hard because you're not only you're you're one of 10 because they let so few of us in you know you're one of so few fighting for one maybe one or two positions in the industry whereas white women have thousands of positions in the industry you know these designers are looking for their type more so than they're looking for mine so I had a you know a lot steeper of a hill to climb getting into this so there were ways that I accommodated uh, and one of them was just being a friendly person I think the stereotype of a black person in some people's minds is that they're not friendly they're not easy to work with sometimes 
And I was like, well, I'm going to prove y'all wrong. I'm the easiest person to work with. And I, you know, all these people that didn't think they were going to have to work with me eventually did because I made it easy to be worked with. Um, but I think a lot of what I had to do in the beginning of my career was overcompensate for these boundaries put up. Um, and I, I, I was so young, I didn't really understand. And I'm still young and I'm still learning to understand what boundaries were put in front of me. But as a young kid, I was just like, this is just fun to me. And so I didn't really, like the whole start of my career was not really seeing this as this uphill battle. It was just fun. It was like a whole party this whole time. And then I got to almost the top of the hill and I was like, whoa, that was like, a really tough crawl up like that was hard um but yeah I mean it goes back to being a kid like I learned to kind of just like look beyond that and see my place beyond those boundaries and just get there so you had mentioned that um, in this industry being white male dominated and you had answered one of the questions I had why is because the designers were looking for a certain type do you think that that has changed now that you've made it to the top and that they know you, Alana, and because of all the various uh, brands you have worked with, that they want to cater to you now? Do you feel it switched that they ask you, Alana? I mean, I, I can speak from, like, there was a generation of girls who are now some of my closest friends in the industry, um, a lot of mixed race girls, and we all came in at around the same time, and we're tight-knit crew because we had to be we had to protect each other like we had to get to the table and then make space for the rest of us that was how we you know individually became a collective and made space for everybody I think the rapid change you've seen in the last probably 10 years in the industry has been girls finally going well we can't do this just individually we all have to come together because these designers clearly are not going to recognize us as individuals, but if there's a whole crew of us, they can't ignore us. Um, and I think like going into what you were saying, designers now obviously look for a lot of different things because they're forced to, their customers are looking for a lot of different things. You know, customers want to see themselves in a lot of these pictures and they won't shop with brands that don't, show these other you know these various customers and so i think designers that didn't want to make that change were then forced to make that change because they were going to lose money um and there's still some out there that don't make those changes and that's on them that's their choice and that's um you know the hill they want to die on but um yeah it's definitely like it's it's a powerful thing like we had to go well, if one of us is going to get there, we sure as hell can all get there. If all these white girls can do all of this, why can't all these black girls do all of this? Why can't anybody else? And so we just, we didn't take shit. And we made it known that we were going to get our place. And, you know, one by one, now, now you've got girls going to get perms to get hair like us. And girls going to get spray tans to get hair like us because they're seeing us. And they're going, I want to be that. Absolutely. Representation makes a big difference. And when I think about um, the unattainable, I say the unattainable standard of beauty. And that's always been around, focused around European standards. Totally. 
Yeah. And I remember growing up here in America, looking at a foundation, I had to blend a couple of bottles of foundation to even get to my skin. Yeah, um, you had to use the bronzer as your powder because they didn't make powder darker than light. And it, it, it was just, you just had to do so much to be able to find something that would even look a little bit natural. But we know that we're seeing a lot of brands and um, in recent years um, we've seen brands like even Victoria's Secrets you know they've had a downturn um, in the fashion industry um, it's also led to you know uh, cancellations of some of their world-renowned shows as well as closing of some of their stores um, there's still a lot of controversy when you're thinking about you know surrounding beauty standards it's not diverse enough it's not representative of n enough so as a former Victoria's Secrets model, um, can you talk about, you know, diversity topic related to, or relative to, I should say, Victoria's Secrets or the industry in general and how the perception of diversity in the fashion industry has positively impacted businesses? Because you just indicated that those who are going to pivot and cater to new markets they're going to make money, right? Because that's a purchasing power. So you're seeing a more strong trend going in that direction now? Yeah. I I mean, like, just like you were saying, I think a lot of these brands, designers, creative directors, anybody in fashion is realizing that without the change, their business is going to take a blow. Victoria's Secret was obviously one that was on a mega platform where the reality of you know something mega collapsing under decisions to not include certain people in this world it played out on that scale and people were able to see it and finally see into this mystery of fashion and what's going on you know on the flip side of things um and that con that started a conversation that flooded down to everybody because they were looking at this mega brand like oh my god Victoria's Secret, this brand who's been around forever and has millions and millions and billions and billions of dollars took a blow, like what could go wrong? How could someone make such a mistake that something goes wrong? But it goes back to what I was saying. Customers, there's aspiration and there's inspiration. And I think a lot of fashion was meant to be aspirational, like you aspire to be. But I think now it's becoming more inspirational where it's just inspiring people to be themselves more so like uh, when I think of what I saw in 17 magazine it was like oh I want to be that so bad but now it's like mm -hmm. these things you're seeing these people and these expressions of people because it's supposed to help you express that part of yourself so I think these brands take a blow when these customers are shopping online or whatever else in their magazines and they're not seeing themselves, they're going, well, I can't wear these clothes or I can't wear this makeup. Like if the white girl's modeling it, I can't, who knows how it's gonna look on me. So I know from personal experience, if I'm shopping and I don't see someone who looks like me, I'm not gonna buy the clothes because how do I know it's gonna look good on me? I don't. Alliant Energy is a place where I can create the future, where my skills, creativity, and new ideas make a better tomorrow. I help deliver the energy powering moments that matter to you. It's where we care about the environment and our neighbors. A place where my talents and skills grow. My job isn't a job, it's my passion, my place, my purpose, because I am energy. See how you can put your energy to work at AlliantEnergy.com careers.
I think your your industry, the fashion modeling industry, is so reflective of what we see in the business world, in the in the broader business world, in the corporate world, and and what what we are trying to get across to to many of the individuals and organizations we work with is that the demographics of the world are changing. We're globalizing, and if you're if you're not looking at your customer base today, tomorrow you could be out of business, and that isn't that. That's so prevalent in your industry. The other thing I wanted to touch on, Alana, you mentioned we, we talked about um, we, we talk about values a lot in business and how employees that are impactful in their organization, it's because their, their personal values align with the values of the company and perhaps the values, ultimately the values of the community that they live in. And when those three values intersect, you have such a productive organization in your space. Can you can you talk about your experience having to go to work and, and work for an organization that you didn't share the values with for for whatever reason? Maybe it was their the, the, the type of clothing or the atmosphere they shot in, the way they you know treated employees. Are there can you talk and and how you manage through that as an employee? Because I think all leaders and all all employees want to know how to be better at that. And some, some yeah. of them don't know how to deal with that. Um, I mean, in the setting of work, like when I run into obstacles like that, I'm pretty upfront about it. I think one blessing of my industry versus other industries is I kind of get the pass with the diva card. And by diva, I don't mean true diva where I'm throwing a fit because someone's not, you know, blowing my hair correctly. I mean, Diva, I can snap at somebody for some shit they said to me to my face right there, right then and there, I can handle the situation. Now there have been times where I haven't handled it like that. Like, you know, where I'm working with a client that could literally make or break my bank for the year and I have to bite my tongue and I have to go back to my agent and handle it with them. And I have to go, hey, this is what, so-and-so said to me or this is how this played out on set and I have to let them handle it behind the scenes because it could literally ruin my career I mean these people fashion they'll break you down whereas like I think in other industries you have like HR you go to or you have your manager or whatever I I don't really get that I get blackballed sometimes if I say something wrong so I do occasionally have to be cautious about how I handle situations in those settings yeah but I do get you know I I will happily if someone makes a comment that's just blatantly disrespectful whatever you know I've made people cry on set during election year I have made people whatever walk off storm off yell in my face spit in my face whatever because some things do have to be said and addressed because they're just it's human decency well, Alana, you had indicated that um, in your industry, there's a big concern about being blackballed. And, you know, it's no different than if you're looking at corporate America or you're looking at fashion and modeling industry, it's still an industry. It's a big dollar biz business, right? And even in corporate America, if you are having, you know, a couple of firms that are the powerhouses, you can easily get blackballed from working at any of them, right? That power is so palatable. Mm -hmm. It can, you know, even if you have an HR, even if you have a manager, if it's such a toxic culture, 
it will permeate. Yeah. And that is when individuals feel disengaged. Um, yeah. I do want to ask you, uh, in terms of um, cancel culture, this is what kind of popped in my mind right now when you were th- when. Do you think cancel culture is something that should be um, embraced or do you think it's something that uh, people have really taken it to one extreme much more than the other? Want to talk oh, a little bit about taken, that, especially from your perspective in your industry? Yeah, it's I, I believe it's taken to such an extreme. I mean, I think it's a way for you know people that sit behind their keyboard to feel the power that they think they have by quote unquote canceling someone now given the circ the context of it and anything you know you have to take that into account people are making sense a lot of times and they're trying to cancel somebody but there's a lack of logic there like it's very childish in my eyes um yes you can quote cancel somebody for something they said or something they did but a lot of times people cancel them and don't give them space to make a change to change their behavior to change what they say in the future to change how they do things in the future there's always the future and people with this cancel culture like to forget that it's that they just look at the past and yeah it's unforgiving um do i think there are people that deserve to be canceled forever no there's people that come darn close but i just think it's a it's 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 toxic nobody can learn from being canceled where's the lesson in being canceled (laughs) so if brands are marketing or branding something that's culturally you know appropriating something or they just did not realize the from a cultural perspective they made a big faux can you yeah. share some examples? And I know that um, we've seen a lot with the fashion and modeling industry in terms of whether yeah. it's clothing or the designers are looking at certain, like a theme or something that they didn't realize that, oh, I should not use this as an accessory because it's not appropriate. Yeah. I mean, I've seen like a lot with like recently, like cornrows being put on people um, that they shouldn't be put on. I, I even have an issue when I'm backstage and a white person tries to do my cornrows because that is even a little weird to me, but it happens a lot. And I think to give context to where people like where, you know, where the question, how could you be so dumb would come from is creatives. These designers and stuff are so lost in their own world, this creative world that they've warped themselves into that that to them is not a boundary they're crossing. They haven't put cultural boundaries into their creative mindset. So when they're coming up with a collection, the idea that that could be perceived as inappropriate doesn't really cross their mind. Now the issue lies in that, but also it lies in the 50 other people that they're working with that overlook that, that overstep that. That is, a lot of the problems in fashion is that yes there's a rotten egg here at the top that people can bash but they're missing the like 50 other rotten eggs that are sitting right there along with them that are allowing that behavior to continue like it's not just this one designer that let 
this one person get photographed. It was also the photographer, the stylist, the PR, the, you know, it's a whole team of people that aren't being called out or canceled or whatever. If we're going to cancel one, we got to cancel them all. And then you got to give them all a chance to say, okay, I realize where I fucked up. Like, I can explain to you exactly where I fucked up. Not just a, oh, I did fuck up. No, I see exactly this is where I messed up here. This is where I messed up there. This is where I messed up there. And here's how I'm going to change it. I want to touch upon a topic that, um, again, we're thinking about standards of beauty. Colorism is so huge when you're thinking about standards of beauty and thinking about beauty globally. And I don't care if you're here in America or if you're in India or another part of the world. Again, the standards of beauty when it comes to light skinned is so much higher. And I remember even in India and then even growing up getting some of the products called Fair and Lovely, where you put that cream on the whole intended that you're going to be a lot more fair, you know, and if you're a lot yeah. more fair, you're going to be a lot more lovelier. And I think uh, Anthony and I have had these conversations a lot that, you know, even for standards for marriage, oh, we want a daughter-in-law that's, you know, tall, skinny and light skinned. And so how do you, you're, you're a biracial professional in this industry. And from, you know, being biracial, light-skinned, what have you seen from a colorism perspective that you feel like you can be a big advocate for? Well, to start out, like, a lot of brands, when they're claiming that they're being diverse and inclusive, they love to use this token black girl. Hmm. And I'm always the token black girl because I'm passing for whatever they want me to be in the moment. Being biracial... They can make me Latina here. They can make me white there. They can make me black here. They can dress me up to the part pretty damn well. And so a lot of the ways I see that being done is I am the token girl. I am the one mm-hmm. girl included in a cast of however many that's black so that they can check the we were diverse off the you know list of boxes. And it's a big problem because I am not anywhere near representative of the entirety of the black community i am a sliver way on the way on the left side way 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 on the left side so to even think that i am representative of all these other women all these other young girls is so damn disrespectful it's even more rude to include me as a token girl than it is just not do it at all so then they know to just not even waste their time with it you know um so i always have a problem with that and i make sure i tell my agents because again that goes back to i can't always say it to these designers faces and stuff um but i make sure i tell my agents that yo that makes me uncomfortable like that's not okay that's not okay and there's even some ways you know they phrase it like I'll find out I didn't get a job and it's like oh they went with so and so instead and I'm like oh so they went with the other got it okay they they went with the other token you know they cycle through and on the flip side there are a million brands that are great and are so so on the other side of being inclusive that you know they only have a black cast and that's incredible too because then we finally get a space to all be together and represent something beautiful and you know you get to see all that black magic or whatever work but um yeah it's uh it's interesting so if you had to give a grade to the fashion and modeling industry, A through F, 
where does this sit right now with equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement? And we've talked a lot about different issues <laughs> on this episode. I'm going to give it like a D plus because you, like I said, you there's the token person that's in front of the camera. You don't see anything else going on behind the scenes. They got a lot to work on behind the scenes. Uh. Fair enough. Fair I think enough. Uh, you're, you're, you're raised by uh, parents and a dad that, you know, taught you how to grade in a fair, <laughs> equitable manner. Be For honest. our listeners out there, I don't think Be we authentic. even shared this, but um, Alana Arrington um, is uh, my wonderful, fabulous co-host, Anthony Arrington's daughter. But I know Alana is her own person, so we didn't want to, you know, bias the episode earlier off the bat. No, we didn't. I wanted to at least acknowledge it, you know, at least some point yes. in the um, show today. Yes. I'm you can't a, tell by I'm... our eyebrows. We, our eyebrows are <laughs> <look> similar enough. <laughs> I'm very hilarious. proud of her. I'm very proud of her. <laughs> that is hilarious. So, so Alana, my dear, <laughs> yes. What what advice would you give to other 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 young women? Um, just don't shut up. Like people, like fashion, really likes to try to shut you up, um, because it's the easiest way for them to get away with things. But the louder you are, um, the more in their face you are about things the more success is going to come to you. The more people are going to flock to you because I, I think everybody's flocking to someone right now that's claiming their space, claiming their time, claiming their respect, whatever you want to claim, you're claiming it and they're flocking to it. Yeah, so don't shut up. Stand your ground, make, make your place known. Bring yourself to work. That's what she's saying. Got to bring yourself to work. Yes, and we say that all the time is that in order for individuals to be productive is bring their whole self to work. Yes, yes. And celebrate the unique diversity that you have, right? Yes. I like how Alana said that earlier. Celebrate your unique self. Yes. All right. Well, Alana, we're going on to another uh, segment. It's another favorite. I have so many favorites here. Uh, <laughs> what's on our listeners' mind? What's on our listeners' minds? All right, so we always um, like to be able to hear from our listeners. And so listeners, uh, please send us your comments, suggestions, questions to info at diversitystraightup.com. Uh, we have a, a question from our listener. And um, Anthony, you yep. want to read our listener's name yep. and the question? So Alana, this is a question from one of our listeners. And, and we'd like for you to answer this question, if you don't mind. Th this is from Robert. And Robert's from Idaho. And Robert says... How do I have a conversation with diversity? Uh, excuse me. How do I have a conversation about diversity with my coworkers, as I feel uncomfortable and I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing? So mm -hmm. as you think about conversations <clears throat> you had, and what, what sort of advice would you? Oh, that's you a give? good one for Alana. Knowing that yeah. she said you need to speak your mind. Yeah, that's a good question. I am. I, I mean, I really want to give. Should I, should I give my honest how I would handle it yes. and then how I think it should be handled? Yeah. Um, All about I authenticity. Personally, I personally am pretty blunt about these things. Like if it's, I think of a coworker as like another model that I would be on set with. I'm pretty blunt to another model on set about things like this. Um, say there's 10 models on set and I notice I'm the only one or, or the other way around. 
I'm going to start a conversation about it. And in a, in a lighthearted manner, because that's the easiest way to get people to talk is to be lighthearted and make it not seem so serious until it is, until you've caught them in the conversation and you can go, okay, well, let's really, let's really get into this. Let's really unpack the suitcase now. Um, but just kind of like lightheartedly, I will joke or whatever about, well, hey, y'all, why, why is this so, why does this feel so weird right now? Like, why does this feel so off? things feel a little unbalanced to you guys and then I'll kind of warm them up warm them up until eventually I hit them with a hard hitter well why am I the only black girl on set right now and and then that's where you kind of get things but I don't think that's how I would handle it if I was working in a normal like a normal business I think I don't know man okay. I would just be blunt <laughs> it's you're just I a blunt person right I don't think there's a, a, a non-blunt way to go about that because it's such a important, like it's such an obvious issue right now, especially like there's so much being thrown at us about things not being diverse and things not being equal and inclusive that it's like, how the hell could you still be oblivious to this? Like, how could you be uncomfortable? Huh? Yeah. How, how but well, Robert, be? you know, Robert's un he's uncomfortable, and but I understand. I I do too. I understand yeah. how it can be uncomfortable. Yeah. There you have it to our wonderful <laughs> listener. Please continue to submit your questions and comments and questions to info at diversitystraightup.com. We've got one more segment that we'd like to do before we end. <laughs> you were getting my hint. <laughs> and this is our this is our our fun segment that we had the surprise for you for. Oh. This okay. is the diversity ball. Now, oh. if you were here, you might have seen yeah. this at home when you were in the studio. But if you were, <laughs> if you were here, what we would do is uh, this ball is like a soccer ball, and it has a bunch of questions related to diversity on the ball. A soft okay. soccer ball, okay? It's a, it's Very soft. soft. Right. So I'm I'm nice to Zarek. I don't throw it hard. I don't throw it hard. Either. I can't say I'm the same though, Alana. Right. So what we would do is we would throw this to you, and you would catch it, and wherever your thumb would land, you would ask that question and answer that question authentically. This feels like elementary school again. It's, okay. it's sort of a yes. We're a bunch of we're a couple of kids here in the studio. This you know, and this is really great way if you're looking at having conversations around diversity. Yeah. This is a really really a, um, icebreaker right. kind of a way that we've utilized yeah. some Remind heavy hitting questions. Of their athletic days, right? <laughs> So, if you were here, I would throw it to you, but I'm going to okay. throw it to Sarika on your behalf. Okay. Oh, and so I'm going to get your question or prompt, she okay. she answers it, she will ask the question for you. Okay. Oh, I almost lost my headgear there. Oh, see, this is really, this is your dad throwing it, but when did you first learn about bias or hate in the world? Kindergarten or first grade? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, hate was probably the one I learned before bias because I probably didn't know the definition of bias until <laughs> like middle school. But hate definitely like early on, I remember like um, it, it, as in kindergarten, like we did a mock election because uh, Bush and John Kerry were running for president in that year or whatever or something like that. And we did a mock election, and I remember I voted for John Kerry because that's who my parents were voting for. <laughs> and, and the other kids, like, the, there were some kids in my class that openly voted for Bush, and they hated 
the John Kerry voters. Oh. And, and I was kind of like, well, I don't get why we're just voting. Like, who cares? Like, why do you hate who I voted for? I don't hate who you voted for. I don't hate you for voting. But that was kind of like, I was kind of like a little confused, but I was like, oh, okay. So there is this way of just not liking somebody for their choice or the way that they choose to live. There's just yeah. there's just yeah. people out wow. there that do that, that just hate. Yeah. It reminds me of um, what we're experiencing a lot on the political landscape right now, right? Based yeah. on individual's choice, and that's just a sliver of who they are. Their political identity yeah. isn't their whole self, yet totally. there's so much animosity and hatred. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. All right, I'm All gonna... Right. Throw My it. I'll, I'll be gentle so to the you. Like... We play in this game too. <laughs> Share one or two examples of prejudice or discrimination based on age. Well, I, I, I personally believe there's there's one example. There's two examples. Uh, one's in sports. Um, it, it amazes me that uh, a 17-year-old kid has to go through certain regulations to become a professional basketball player. Uh, but a 14-year-old kid can turn pro in golf. wonder why that is. wonder why that is. So that, that would be an ex example of a systemic issue, I, I, I believe. That's one an interesting one, Anthony. All right. Ready? <laughs> be nice. Go, be gentle. Be time. kind. <laughs> Describe the messages you received about race when you were growing up. I don't know if I shared uh, with our listeners on DSU this or not, but um, growing up in the Quad Cities, so Alana, I'm born in India, came to the States as 19 months old, and I was in San Francisco, Oklahoma, and Nebraska, and ended up in the Quad Cities, which is half Illinois and half Iowa. Together, all those cities are called the Quad Cities, and I was on the Illinois side. Um, I was there from second grade on all the way through high school. I was the only Indian, um, save my siblings. I know you're tight with your sister. My siblings yeah. and I were not that <laughs> tight in school there, okay? But I remember it was in elementary. I had a friend, a, a white boy who came up to me, a friend of mine, and he's like, what kind of an Indian are you? Are you a dot head Indian or a featherhead Indian? And that was, you know, thinking about race, that was one of my, the messages that I received. I had no idea what he was talking about, first of all. This we call Bindi, but of course, right. you know, he's like in Dothead, and the Featherhead is for Native Americans. Yeah. And so that was one of my first um, earlier messages about race that I received. Yep. Wow. Ah. Well, I think we have uh, reached the end of our our episode, we, we truly, truly, Alana, as, as your as your as your dad, I humbly appreciate your your time today, spending spending with us, giving us your perspective on diversity, uh, equity, inclusion, and engagement. So, what um, last piece of advice would you would you have for our listeners to help them enhance their journey as they go through equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement in their lifetime? Be blunt. I'm sorry. That's like my best piece of advice. It, there's, there's not a lot. I think, I think be blunt to people. If, if you're feeling uncomfortable or, or 
disrespected in any way, just be blunt about it because people really can be oblivious to their position in the world, in their mind, whatever. And sometimes it takes someone giving them kind of that hard wake up call of, oh, whoa, okay, to, you know, make a change. I think be blunt always. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Alana. We appreciate your yeah. feedback and insight to our listeners. Of thank course. you, sweetheart. Thank we you guys for having time. me. Thank you. Thank you for your time. We enjoyed yeah. it. Thank yeah. you. And um, safe travels to wherever else you're jetting off. We appreciate you thank taking the time you. in your busy schedule here, Alana. Pleasure getting to know yes. you. You too. Thanks. You've been listening to Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union. Additional support provided by Alliant Energy and the City of Cedar Rapids. For more from the Corridor Business Journal, please visit CorridorBusiness.com. Thank you to our listeners, as we wouldn't be here without your support. Help us grow our subscriber base by sharing our show with others. Love this new episode of Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union? Then head over to the most popular podcast audio platforms to describe, rate, and review us. And check out our other episodes while you're there. Catch us on our next episode, which drops monthly. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up and send your questions, comments, and suggestions to info at diversitystraightup.com. Remember, wherever you live, work, and play, our backyards are increasingly global. It's not enough to simply be a leader. Be a global leader by leveraging diversity with equity, inclusion, and engagement. And share your journey. This may empower others to be bold change agents. Be courageous. Be authentic. Be vulnerable. Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union. Keeping it real.